There was a blockbuster movie out there some years ago. The whole movie centered around this statement. Love means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. You ever try that on your mom? <laughs> Just think about that for a second. It's lovely. You know, when we were growing up in our family, that wouldn't have worked with my mom. If she said, say you're sorry, she meant, say you're sorry. <laughs> and then she'd say, and you'd better mean it. <laughs> I never figured out how that worked. How do you mean it if you don't mean it? I mean, I, I don't know, but I did my best. <laughs> but oh, to love like mom. There are many expressions of love. Mother's love, which we celebrate today. Friendship love, romantic love, father love. Men don't usually get love, let's be perfectly honest here. Most infamously, romantic love. Men just, I don't know why we trip up over it all the time. And some are very cynical about it. Listen to this quote. Love is an ocean of emotions, entirely surrounded by expenses. <laughs> it's a little cynical. Or, love is like the measles. We all have to go through it. <laughs> Not a very positive look at it. And we do have questions like these about love. If love is blind, why is lingerie so popular? I want to know that. <laughs> there are some warnings about love. Some women love only what they can hold in their arms. Others only what they can't. <laughs> hmm... Maybe true, I don't know. And then, I love this, the ultimately confused man. Are you ready for this? To love is to suffer. To avoid suffering, one must not love. But then one suffers from not loving. Therefore, to love is to suffer, but not to love is to suffer. To suffer is to suffer. To be happy is to love. To be happy, then, is to suffer. But suffering makes one unhappy. Therefore, to be unhappy, one must love, or love to suffer, or suffer from too much happiness. <laughs> now, there's a confused man, okay? <laughs> if these people had read the Scriptures more closely, or at all in some cases, they might have understood. An Indian government official, Moraje Desai, have no idea if I'm saying his name right, he seemed to understand it is easy to hate, and it is difficult to love. This is how the whole scheme of things work. All good things are difficult to achieve, and bad things are very easy to get. If he had added in this world, he would have been perfectly correct. But what of all this is true of moms? It's Mother's Day. You know, do they maybe love better? Some guys don't like to think too deeply. <laughs> so they say things like, the most remarkable thing about my mother is that for 30 years she served the family nothing but leftovers. The original meal has never been found. <laughs> That's how some of us express our emotions. And humor is a wonderful, disarming tool for communications. But sometimes, like on Mother's Day, it's better to say it straight out. Mom... I love you. 
That's the best way to do it. Elizabeth Browning was correct when she said, Love doesn't make the world go around. Love is what makes the trip worthwhile. Hmm. Most moms are pretty good at making the ride worthwhile. (laughs) That is to say, mother love can be a great expression of love. But please do understand, there's only one love, but many expressions. Only one love, okay? And I'd like to take a look at love, as the Bible describes it, but as expressed by moms. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. My dad was quiet. He hardly ever spoke. It will not surprise you to find out that my mom was a woman of many words. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I don't, I don't know. If she didn't love me, a nicey gong or clanging cymbal, that, that could have been a, a fair description at times. That's, <laughs> okay. Yeah, mom had no shortage of things to say. I had to get it from someplace, right? Mom did not use a wide variety of words, though, but just a lot of them. And she often confused them. Uh, it, it takes two to tangle, she'd say, instead of when we'd get in a fight. You know, instead of saying it takes two to tango, which is the actual quote. Uh, it took me years to get borrow and loan right. I used to say, uh, "Will you borrow me your ex?" You know, bar- but people would say, "How can I borrow it to you?" I, you know, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You can't. That doesn't work. I can. You know, the loan thing. It took me years to get there, right? Because that's how my mom said it. She. Had it wrong, but whatever the case with your mom, moms are often compelled to use a lot of verbiage (laughs) with their kids. (laughs) But when we know they love us, it doesn't seem like noise. Even if words are badly formed, they have meaning when they're accompanied with love. And we can be glad for them. Eventually. (laughs) And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Who wasn't amazed at their mom when she seemed to know things that were impossible to know? Like the great ice cream incident. I guess I'll have to tell you about it. I was what was called a good kid. I didn't know it was possible to do wrong, so I didn't do it. I mean, mean, it's not wrong. You don't do it. I I didn't know any better. I, I was kind of a dull kid. But a great temptation arose one day. Across from my grade school was a fast food restaurant that sold ice cream cones. Chocolate dipped ice cream cones. And one day a friend told me, you could buy one with your lunch money. In fact, he said, you'll even have money left over. It was too much for me. I succumbed. And sure enough, within minutes of my getting home, my mom says, what did they serve for lunch today? <laughs> Caught. What could I say? You know, I, I mumbled around until she attacked the great sin directly. You had ice cream instead of lunch at the school, didn't you? I was amazed. How 
do you know? How did you know? Somebody must have told her. She must have had an informant at the ice cream place, you know, a spy. As soon as I bought the cone, they must have called her. But she said, oh, a little birdie told me with that, you know, knowing, you know, that superior smile, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I thought, was it God? Did God speak to her directly? Hey, Mrs. Henderson, your kid's having an ice cream cone. You know, I mean, I didn't know. I said I was sorry and I promised never to do it again and I kept that promise better. But I always wondered, how did she know? It was years before I finally realized it was probably the chocolate stains and ice cream on my shirt that gave it away. I, you know, <laughs> she just seemed to know things, you know. Moms, moms have these amazing powers. But that's not what we remember them for. It's not their prophetic powers, their understanding of mysteries, or their amazing knowledge. It's their consistency in love for us. That's what we remember. And moms sacrifice as they love us. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Milton Berle had a good point when he asked, if evolution really works, how come moms only have two hands? <laughs> it's a lot of work being a mom. So many women give up careers and even financial freedom to serve as mothers. And it's true that having a child does a number on a woman's body. They say nothing of birthing a baby. <laughs> but good moms don't mind giving up their time to serve their families because they love them. Love is the thing that enables a woman to smile when her little boy walks in and announces he has been working just like Dad as he walks across the carpet in dirty boots just like Dad. <laughs> Describing love is a difficult task. You know, where does one begin? How do you do it? You're going to describe mother love. How do you do it? I've always been amazed at Paul's start in his description of love, the very first word he chooses. But looking at the expression of a mother's love, it makes perfect sense. Love is patient. <laughs> yes? <laughs> it's impossible to parent well without patience. It's just impossible. James Thurber said, a lady of 47 who has been married 27 years and has six children knows what love really is and once described it for me like this, love is what you've been through with somebody. You have to get through the trouble. One needs patience. Love is patient. And that's where a mom's love starts. Paul goes on, and kind. Now, kind and patient go together. Kind does what is good for a child. Nice does what feels good. Okay. How much patience do you think a mother will need when their child says, I want a cookie? You haven't had dinner yet. Well, can I have a cookie anyway? No, you can't have a cookie. Well, what about cookie? Can I have a cookie? We haven't had dinner yet. Cookie. Love is patient and kind. <laughs> there are some things that loving moms avoid. Love does not envy. I'm sure you've heard moms that uh, aren't exactly exercising love when they say something like, why can't you be like the Jones kids? <laughs> 
Envy is an ugly thing, and it is destructive to love. It is destructive to children. Much better is it when a mom reflects the love of God who says, I love you as you are until you become what I know you can be. And the mirror of envy or boast, when a mom boasts, her love is like those second-rate motels where all the luxury is in the lobby. Hmm? She only loves when everybody can see it, when she can show off. You see, it is not just hurtful to the one she's boasting to, because it can be. It's hurtful to the child. They know that if they fail to be doing something she can brag about, they will no longer be in their mother's favor. It is only when they can be boasted about that they are loved. So what happens when they fail and we all fail? Hmm. A love that boasts is not an unconditional love. And it is not arrogant. I know a man who is a doctor. He got straight A's at doctor school in arrogance. Arrogance 101, arrogance 102, arrogance 103. Trust me, he's really, really good at it. Okay? Their first child was the perfect, compliant child. She said everything they wanted. She learned everything they wanted. She's pretty, she's polite, intelligent, and overall a wonderful person, frankly. And she now has a doctorate and has been given them and has given them a grandson named after this won't surprise you, both grandfathers. Okay? This is a compliant child. When she was little, this man used to be happy to tell all of us how you should raise child. How you should raise children. He knew how. I mean, take a look. This was a man who knew. Had a little bit of arrogance going on. You know, he thought he'd made her like that. But God has a sense of humor and a great plan. They had a little boy. <laughs> he barely passed kindergarten. Barely got let out of kindergarten, okay? He struggled all the way through school. He loved to fight with his parents. Pretty much anybody else, too. The best way to control him was to tell him what you didn't want him to do. <laughs> Nothing his dad tried worked. Nothing worked with this kid. And the arrogance that his dad had about parenting made his son look all the worse. I mean, if this dad is really such a great parent, then the trouble must be with the boy. Hmm. Now, I know these people well. I, I love this girl. She's wonderful. She's grown up. She's a wonderful woman. Uh, but it's hard not to love the boy more, frankly. <laughs> Out of the pain of the disappointment that he thought he was to his parents, as he grew up, he has forged a life of his own, and he's doing really well, really well. And he happens to be a great kid. But interestingly enough, it's been a struggle for him to get close to his sister. Even though she's great and he's great, the conflict inadvertently caused by arrogance in their childhood has to be overcome. And don't misunderstand, the man loves his son and, and his daughter. But since he didn't base his life on God's Word, <laughs> he was an easy prey of arrogance. Love is not arrogant. Or rude. I've always liked that saying, courtesy 
is the lubricant that keeps the machine called family running smoothly. Love that quote. Not like Groucho Marx who said, this is so Groucho Marx, send two dozen roses to room 424 and put Emily I love you on the back of the bill. <laughs> That's rude, okay? <laughs> uh, send someone flowers with the bill. Yeah, no, it's not good. Some of you may have witnessed that, well, horrible thing, a rude mother. This has a devastating effect on children as year after year of this rudeness grinds away at their character. Fortunately, rude mothers are rare. Yeah, okay, everybody loses it sometime. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lifestyle of rudeness. We all lose it. Now and, then. and all of this is related, by the way, everything we've said so far is related to the central point the Holy Spirit guided Paul to write. The central point. Are you ready for it? This, this is today's big point, so pay attention. This is the principal truth about love from this passage. It does not insist on its own way. Self-sacrifice is the hallmark of good, loving mothering. Or fathering, or friendship, or any other relationship. Self-sacrifice is, in fact, a part of the nature of God. And all true love, like that of a good mom, has this at its core. This is the central. Mothers sometimes do insist kids do things their way, okay? But just because a mother insists on some things doesn't mean she is insisting on her own way. She might be looking for the best way. Buddy Hackett claimed, my mother's menu consisted of two choices. Take it or leave it. <laughs> but that doesn't mean she wasn't a loving mother. Okay. And now we get to one uh, a part of this description that I have to confess many mothers stumble over, particularly when they have small children or adolescents, or teens. It is not irritable. <laughs> you got to admit that it can be pretty tough not to be irritated after 12 hours of wrangling kids day after day after day. It's like Rita Rudner said, I love being married. It's so great to find that one special person that you want to annoy for the rest of your life. I mean, some kids seem to believe that's their job, to annoy their parents. <sighs> I think a mother that manages to avoid irritation for a full 24 hours probably doesn't exist. But if she does, she ought to thank God for giving her that kind of strength. That's the kind of love. It's just... It's amazing. It's very, very difficult. But when irritation has too long a shelf life, it generates resentment. Love is not irritable or resentful. Think about it. A suburban mother's role is to deliver children obstetrically once and by car forever after. <laughs> if a mom lets herself be irritated with the day-to-day -day grind of life, she will begin to become resentful. How can anyone love properly when they are resentful of the sacrifices they have to make to express their love? We all, with every mother, 
need to be careful to monitor ourselves and watch out for irritation that can so easily grow into resentment. We are commanded to love one another, and this is, this is a stopper. Now, every mother knows that love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. How many fights <laughs> have mothers had to quell between their kids? Okay. Mothers know that animosity damages a child's spirit, so they step in. They don't, they don't rejoice at wrongdoing. How much lying has strained the mother-child relationship? Because lying stains the child's soul. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. One of my sisters ran a daycare for a while where she had a particularly troublesome little boy. He always had to rule the roost, you know. In fact, he, he almost never even bothered with the adults uh, because he kind of preferred to take matters into his own hands. <laughs> so when he ran up to her one day and he said, Teacher, teacher, she was just pleased to kneel down and talk with him. He says, Yes, Troy? Tommy hit me back. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you know, what are you going to say? The kid told the truth. Uh, but truth, as Paul uses it here, is about living in truth, a lifestyle of truth, of being true, not just the absence of falsehood. And mothers do rejoice when their children live in truth. And if all we've talked about so far is true of love, how will it work out in our lives? How do you work out life? When the rubber hits the road... Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Paul uses this beautiful little chiasm to show the importance of love in action now, bearing and enduring, and love looking toward the future, believing and hoping. That underlying deep down desire for the good of the one you love now and forever. A mother bears many things, endures tremendous things, because she believes in and hopes for her child. Listen to this statement. I love you as you are, but do not tell me how that is. <laughs> love can endure much of what we really are, not even wanting to know what that is because of the faith and hope that knows what we can be. People often say, love is blind. No. It sometimes seems that mothers can't see what everyone else sees about their rotten kid. But no, love sees quite clearly, well beyond the present. Questionable behavior sometimes. That must be endured to what the one who loves believes this person can be. I know my child. They can be this. And they look right past it all. Love has telescopic vision. Okay, A true mother's love can see clearly to the place they hope for this child. And finally, true godly love never ends. Agatha Christie 
her husband was an archaeologist, she said, an archaeologist is the best husband any woman can have. The older she gets, the more interested he is in her. (laughs) Okay? That's not exactly what we mean. But love is endless. Also, the word translated never ends could also mean never fails. Love never fails. Charles Schultz had one of his characters say, nothing takes the taste out of peanut butter quite like unrequited love. (laughs) Children need to know that a mom's love for them is not temporary and is not conditional. It won't fail. There's a surety and a permanence in true love because God is eternal and He never changes. And God is love. And when mothers love as God intended, there is an assurance that this love will be and will be forever. Remember how Paul started this? Questions about tongues and prophecies and knowledge. He goes back to that. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. To understand what Paul is talking about, we have to look at the greater picture. We have to remember to whom Paul is writing and then look at the text that surrounds this particular teaching. Paul is writing to a church where many people are busy trying to prove how great they are. <laughs> okay? In that first generation of the church, many people had been given special gifts of prophecy and tongues and knowledge, gifts that could be misused, misused to show off, right? If you look at chapter 12, just before this teaching on love, and at chapter 14, after it, you'll see that they both deal with these special gifts, these very specific gifts. What Paul is trying to say is, don't show off with what God has given you. Love with what He has given you. Have you ever had to endure mothers who show off with their children? (laughs) For them, it's not about how great their kids are, but how great their kids make them look. And if the kid does something, as kids will do, that embarrasses them, Watch out for the eruption, okay? Your kids are talented, great. They're smart, wonderful. Beautiful children are fabulous. But it's not supposed to be about the special. It's supposed to be about the love. And when that which is special in a child is all about how it makes the parent look, that's not love. Why do we need this more balanced look at special gifts? For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. For today, let's understand that Jill Churchill said it right. There is no way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. Special, perfect, is temporary in moms and in kids. But one day, all believing mothers will be perfect. And so will all believing children. And the very nature of our love will finally be perfect. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. In our eternal lives, all that we understand, think, and talk about now will give way to that which is perfect. The thoughts we have now will then seem to us like those of children compared to what we will then know. It'll be fun to look back, I think. Just like it's wonderful to watch children now. Another Groucho Marx. He insisted, my mother loved children. She would have given anything if I had been one. (laughs) We want our kids to be kids. But there's also truth in what Eric Fromm said. The mother-child relationship is paradoxical and in a sense tragic. It requires the most intense love on the mother's side, yet this very love must help the child grow away from the mother and to become fully independent. Things in this life are temporary, even the expression of love as a mother. In this life, we don't stay children. (laughs) And it can take years of counseling to get over a mother who didn't want her children to grow up. But with our Father God, the more we grow up, the closer we get to Him. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. The mother's heart is the child's schoolroom, Henry Ward Beecher quite correctly said. Mothers can indeed teach us of God and His love. But all we know in this life is next to nothing. And this life is not only not all there is, it doesn't hold a candle to what will be. For there will be a day when we will see God face to face. Paul said, now I know in part, then I shall be fully known even as I have been fully known. One day we will go home, where we have never been, and we will know love. And all we've had in this life are but hints of what will be, even the best mother's love. Then we will know love as He is, just as He has always known us. A fool once said, it's easy to fall in love. The hard part is finding someone to catch you. (laughs) If he had known God, he would have known that love is never expressed more surely than when it is expressed by God. In fact, only when love is expressed by God is it sure. God will catch us when we fall in love with him. You see, God knows us now. Perfectly, but not just as we are, but as he knows we will be, because he will make us what we will be, okay? And of that we can be sure. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. Do you see? When a godly mother believes for her child what she hopes for her child, the love that a mother has for her child, these will move from this life to the next and 
be made perfect. This is what is here and now that will make it to forever. When they say you can't take it with you, they mean things, and Paul would agree. Things cannot be carried through death's door. Only faith, hope, and love. These are what we can take with us. The greatest of these is love. We loved with a love that was more than love. When I was young, I was pretty sure that was a stupid statement. Okay. What? We love with a love with a more than love? What kind of statement? No, I'm not so sure. Maybe there is something to this. Even mothers don't love perfectly in this life. Some don't love at all, or at least only themselves. But when those who love, love as God loves, maybe they love greater than they know. Greater than their own love can be. Their love is more than love because it's not their love. It's the love of God. To laugh often and love much. To appreciate beauty. To find the best in others. To give oneself this is to have succeeded. Ralph Waldo Emerson. I think Mr. Emerson might be right. But I know this is true. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels that have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be fully known, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray.